Very excited to be back here with uh, Larry Persley. How you doing, Larry? Hi. Long, long time. I've wanted to get you on the podcast, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and like I said, I've never listened to a podcast in my life, but I've never done Facebook and never tweeted. So uh, well, I'm, I'm happy being an anachronism. Now, now you're going to be on a podcast, so it doesn't matter. I'm still not going to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got to the Capitol, yeah. um, I went to the little press room where I had my desk, and I saw you in there, and I said, oh, right. what's, what are you, what's Larry doing here? Because you, you've bought some newspapers, right? And well, didn't you I, give I one away? The, yeah, um, I bought and then turned Skagway over to someone about a year ago. But um, on January 1st, I took ownership of the Wrangell Sentinel. So... I said, well, I'll come to Juno and do some stories for the, for the Wrangle paper, but I'm also um, doing those same stories for the small papers in Southeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skagway, Haynes, Wrangle, Petersburg, Ketchikan, Sitka. As long as I'm here, uh, those papers all share in common tourism, ferry system, uh, some other state funding issues, so I can do a few stories for those while I'm here. So you've been in the building in the past in different capacities. You were a staffer. Yeah, I've um, been a legislative staffer a couple times, once uh, 2009-2010 for Representative Hawker when he was finance co-chair, uh, 2018 for Representative Lincoln, that first year where he was appointed to fill a, an unexpired term of a mm-hmm. legislator who left. I was here as a reporter when I owned the Wrangle paper in the early 80s, came to Juno for some news events. Um Let's see. Well, when, then, you, when you were co- federal co-chair, were you doing any yeah. stuff in the Capitol or not? Was right. It more when I was um, for the gas running line. the federal office in charge of maybe someday there'd be an Alaska North Slope gas pipeline. That was 2010, 2015. Yeah, I did some testifying and in the Capitol. Uh, I was dep- at the Department of Revenue from 1997 to 2003 as deputy commissioner from 99 to 03. Did a lot of testifying, a lot of work. Then um, I worked for the governor's Washington, D.C. office in, I don't know what the heck year that was, 2007, 2008, and came back sometimes on, on issues. So, yeah, I've, I've hung around the building for f- cl- close to 40 years. So a lot, of, a lot of times in both the executive and the legislative branches. What's your, what, what would you say your favorite job or your best experience was in, out of all those things? Well, probably my favorite job was being deputy commissioner of revenue with a great commissioner and getting some stuff done. Who was commissioner then? Was that Wilson Condon? Oh, okay. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm just watching the revenue stuff now, and mm-hmm. they're talking about ta- tax and all these things. And um, there's no, you know, there's no money left. We kind of all know the savings accounts are gone. Right. There's the permanent fund earnings. Re- you know, over the years, you were talking about the '80s. There was bad times in the early 2000s. There was mm-hmm. so we've been here before, but. I mean, I don't know. For me, this is the first time I've kind of experienced. I've moved here in 2004. And okay. it yeah, seems no, the state's been running a deficit for half the time since 1990. This is nothing new. But there was that time where, you know, it was money was pouring in when the price of oil was Right, oil prices were up under the Payland administration. They jacked up taxes. So, yeah, we had some years in there where we had more money coming in than we could dream about. But that was an aberration. So as bad as it seems to me, I mean, you're saying it's not, this is not abnormal where we well, are. It's bad in that we've run through the reserves. It's bad that Alaskans refuse to pay taxes. It's bad we expect a dividend and services are getting cut. But it's 
It's not a surprise. We knew it was coming, and we have been living off savings half of the past 30 years. So what, I guess what did we think was going to happen? What, what, what do you, what, why do you think that – I mean, I, I ran back in 12. I was like a nobody. I just kind of saw – You're talking still a to, nobody. I'm still – but, I mean, I didn't know no what offense. was going on. It's true. Okay. It's true, but I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And, and, but I did talk to Brad Keithley, and I was aware of this mm-hmm. deficit problem. And over the years, some people were saying, you know, we're spending deficits. We're, we only have this much money in savings. Then Walker tried to kind of do, but but all that aside, they still spent all the savings down. Well, when you say they, all the, le- the, legisl- well, the legisl- legislators did it because the constituents wanted them to. I mean, I don't blame legislators for conjuring up this mess we're in on their own. They had constituents who said, I want services. I want millions of dollars to get the dead moose off the highway. I want a half-finished railroad to uh, Port McKenzie in the Matsu. I want, I want, I want, and I want dividends. No one gets elected saying you can't have it. So uh, the legislators can, legislative candidates responded to the public, and now we're all to blame, and we're in a mess. But what, what, I mean, most people who pay any level of attention saw the day coming not in the distant future where there was where we are now where there's yeah but that wasn't 51 percent of the voters right yeah it's it's just so what, I mean, what do you see happening going i mean this session they want to get out here by march but the house still hasn't really organized yet they're they kind of have but it's really unclear yeah, they so. really haven't. yeah um i don't know they're you're right the house isn't really organized they got a speaker but nothing else and i guess i they'll figure it out maybe next week um well, they got to pass a budget, but the big problem there, I think, is going to be how much is the dividend, how much do you take from permanent fund earnings, and do they have the nerve to pass a tax this year? Because even if you pass an income or a sales tax, and I don't think income has any prayer, even if you pass a sales tax this, this year— it takes a while to get, get— Yeah, you won't start collecting the money till fiscal year 2023. 20, but if you're going to collect money in fiscal year 2023, which starts— July 1st, 2022, which isn't that far away, you got to pass it this year to set up the system. And and so, you know, can they pass a budget? Can they deal with a dividend? Uh, You've got the bond issue the governor wants and the question of taxes. That's a lot to get done if it's February 12th and you want to get out by the end of March. Yeah. Do you you worry, or at least I'm concerned, that they they spent all the... the, the savings accounts, they're going to do something similar with this earnings account of the permanent fund. And, and why do you think, did, did they not foresee the people who set the permanent fund up, did they not maybe contemplate a situation where the legislature could just, with a majority votes, take money out of the earnings? To- no, that's the way they set it up. The law, the Constitution says all the earnings of the permanent fund are just general fund money. That's what the Constitution says. That's what they anticipated. I know it says that, but do you think they... Th- Soft scenario where, like, they could take out a whole bunch of it, and then there's not enough. That's to- the way they wrote it. Yeah. Now, do do I believe that the people who drafted the constitutional amendment for the permanent fund thought we would auger ourselves into such a hole like we are now? No, they thought better of us that we wouldn't be so dumb. But they set it up so that the principal cannot be touched. All the earnings just are general fund dollars and can be spent. So. That's what they envisioned. Now, I don't think they envisioned we would be so irresponsible over the years mm-hmm. to not confront reality. But um, do I think they will 
legislators will completely drain the earnings of the prone fund? No, I don't. It's interesting. If you look at the budget now, what it is, about $4.5 billion. Yeah. If there's no dividend with the permanent fund draw, the percent of market value, and, and draw, and then the other taxes and oil and right. production, we're, we're kind of balanced the budget. It's there. It's right. There. If you don't have a dividend, your 5% draw of permanent fund earnings, oil it, you know, 50s uh-huh. a barrel, and the little bit of other pissant taxes we have, motor fuel, um, alcohol, tobacco. Yeah, that about balances the status quo budget. If you want a dividend this fall, you got to take more money out of the permanent fund or squeeze a little bit more out of the constitutional budget reserve. But if you want a $1,000 dividend or more, you're going to have to take more money out of the earnings of the permanent fund. Well, and the fascinating thing is, you know, we, we, I think we're one of two states. I think maybe it's New Hampshire with no sales, statewide sales or income tax. I think one more state has no statewide sales or income tax. So we could be... Well, I think we're the only one. I, th- um, I think the others either have some form of income tax or sales tax. I think I'm going to... Look, I think there's one other state that doesn't have either. Well, I um, think New Hampshire... I think it's New Hampshire. They don't have an income tax on earned wages, but I think they do have some sort of income tax. So, but it doesn't matter. We don't. That's all that counts. So we're in this... Unique state where if we right. didn't have the dividend, if that wasn't a factor, which it is a factor, but if it wasn't, you know, we could essentially fund our government at a kind of decent level without well, having any except kind of... you still don't have much of a capital budget. Right, yeah. And that, the deferred maintenance um, needs around the state, we're not addressing. So, yeah, you could sort of eke out an existence without a dividend, but you're not accounting, again, for the deferred maintenance or other... Other issues we haven't confronted. You know, people talk about public safety and child welfare and education. Uh, that's all going to going to cost money. So earlier you said I want to go back to you yeah. said the people wanted all the spending and they wanted these projects and they wanted a, this a majority. Money. Yeah, majority. Uh, I sometimes when people bring that up, I, I go to the Nelson Mandela's book, Long Walk to Freedom. He kind of talks a lot about leadership and you mm-hmm. know when they got when he was released from jail and they, he became president. They, there was a move to kind of, you know, civil war and score settling. And he said it's up to a leader to explain to the people, you know, when they're wrong and, and lead them to do the thing that's right. Sure. So inherently, I guess, some would argue, well, you can lose, you know, if you do that and people don't like you, they throw you out, so you can't do anything after that. Right. But, but it seems like most people, legislators and even our governors, aren't that upfront about things with the people, well, about the, the realities So I of, guess is your point that... Alaska has not had a Nelson Mandela. You're right. We haven't. That wasn't. I wasn't really. Uh, I wasn't saying that. But that's a good. What you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we haven't. Don't. We just. We haven't. That doesn't mean the governors and legislators we've had were bad. They just. They they weren't. Um, I guess. Some of them tried. Walker tried when he was governor. Uh, governor Knowles tried talking about fiscal plan. The legislature had no interest in it. You know, no one ever got elected in Alaska that I know of standing up at a town hall meeting saying, your dividend's in jeopardy, you got to pay taxes, and I'm tired of this bullshit request you give me for stupid spending on stupid projects. That's, no one's going to win. He didn't say exactly that, but Ralph Samuels in 2010 kind of said yeah. some, some of that. And look, he got third, I think, right out of, right. Out of right. three. He, he did try. Yeah, Hal Crow. Mm-hmm. When he ran for gov, and you know, you lose to Palin, who promises everyone visions of sugar plums dancing in their head. And then she gave that extra twelve hundred in two thousand eight. What's that worth? That's probably a billion, almost a billion, probably well, a billion dollars. Three, three quarters of a billion. Right. Yeah. Um, 
something else I want to ask you about. I did a podcast yeah. last week on Zoom with Bill Walker, and mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about the gas line. I wrote the story about some of those contracts I got from AGDC right. with Beg, uh, Begich and Parnell. Right. Uh, you were there five years doing the federal right. coordinator. I moved here in 04. Uh, I remember in 06, Ajia came out. I was working, I told Bill Walker, I was working with this Russian guy in a car lot. He got, oh my God, the gas line, we all make money, you know? Yeah. And then Parnell thing happens, Walker thing happens, Chinese. It seems like there's always, and it goes back a lot farther than that. Is there any chance of a gas line happening, and, and, or is it no, just too late? I think. Was there a chance? Oh, there was a chance before shale, when North America thought they were going to run short of gas. What was that, 12 years ago? But once they figured out shale gas, the North America is not short of gas. They don't need Alaska gas, and the rest of the world doesn't need Alaska gas either, and we cannot compete on price. So, no, there's, I mean, I want to say no hope. Certainly something could change. You know, a volcano could erupt and gas fields could disappear from the geology change, but no. It's done. People need to stop dreaming about the gas line. So why is there, and when shale's been around, I don't know what, 10, 15 years? I don't know how long shale's been around. Well, the U.S. shale boom really has been the past 12 years or so. So why is there the constant kind of, I know Walker, that was his whole thing, but even Dunleavy now is, you know, the AGDC. It's it's better to dream, I guess I shouldn't say better, it's more popular to dream about riches than to be you know, Mr. Downer and say, well, there's no Anwar, there's no gas line, and you're going to have to pay taxes. It's, it's just it's been a dream of Alaskans for decades. The world has moved on. They don't need our gas. Or they're not willing to pay what it would cost to get their gas from Alaska. Now, there's the other, I, I remember last year at Mead Treadwell, there's another idea about the tankers. You know, right. The- uh, their proposal was to forget the gas line, build an offshore liquefaction plant on the North Slope, and then tanker right from there. Is that any better, or is that still kind of... Well, I guess it's cheaper, cheaper. and less risky, <laughs> but it's still not going to... I don't think economically it works. The world has a lot of gas they can get cheaper than building in the Arctic in Alaska. So when you were the federal court coordinator, I mean, can you explain a little bit about what, what that position was? So it was an act of Congress in 2004, again, pre-shale. North America thought they were going to be running short of natural gas. So Congress said, we're going to create this office. They gave it a long, stupid name. Office of the Federal Coordinator for Alaska Natural Gas Transportation Projects. Jesus. Yeah, I know. know. (laughs) And they said, your job is to work with an applicant, if someone comes forward and wants to build this, and coordinate the federal response and permitting. It wasn't a permitting agency. It was kind of the, the concierge. We're supposed to make sure all the federal agencies talk to each other and this thing goes smoothly. There was also some loan guarantee funds in there for a developer, some tax breaks for a developer if the project brought gas to North America. Well, you know, by 2013, 2014, it was clear North America was never going to need Alaska gas. And this federal legislation was only for bringing gas to North America. You know, why should the federal government subsidize, uh, assist a project that's going to export gas from Alaska? Why not one from Oregon or one oh. from Louisiana? Anyway, so it was only for domestic project. There was no domestic project, so I closed the office, shut down the agency in, in 2015. What, what I mean, was was Walker close with the Chinese? Or that's, I don't to, think to so. To me, it seemed like the meeting and the Trump. Yeah, and it seemed well, kinda... he was close in that... Governor Walker is a very sincere 
person, a very honest person, very committed to Alaska. But no, I think uh, the Chinese and South Koreans and Japanese were just playing us against other potential suppliers and culturally being polite to us. But no, I, I don't think... I don't think this project really has been that close for a long time. Last thing on the gas line, AGDC and then Bill Walker and Joy Merrick and their kind of group, they're both saying they have these mystery buyers. I mean, sure. what is that just posturing or is, is there maybe No, somebody? they probably think they got mystery buyers and maybe they do have <laughs> mystery buyers, but I'm saying they are, in the industry, you see a lot of people who sign what are called memorandums of understanding. Right. And that's an agreement that says I'll exchange business cards. That's all there is out there. There's no one, until someone signs a deal that says, I'm committed contractually to buy your gas, and here's my letter of credit from the bank, the rest are just exchanging business cards. Well, I guess uh, it's, it's, it's a good, it's, it is good to, I mean, the idea of it, at least in my mind, because I read a lot about the 70s and the taps and the pipeline yeah. and the money, and it just, it just, I guess it seems like, even if it was at, you know, Fairba uh, North Slope Fairbanks, when that would be billions of, you know, jobs and... It'd be kind of fun and be a big... Well, it'd be fun. Boom. Right. It'd be a boom so, to think about it. Right. The State state Corporation, Alaska Gas Line Development Corporation, now believes, ah, oh, the heck with the big pipeline running it all the way to Nikiski and competing in the export market. Their proposals for a $6 billion project to move North Slope gas to Fairbanks. Think about it. Fairbanks, I like Fairbanks, is not a metropolis in terms of how much gas. I mean, you could basically give gas away... For, for free in Fairbanks for 50 years and not spend $6 billion. Yeah. And, but they're saying, the Alaska Gas Line Development Corp says, well, but if we can get the federal government to underwrite 75% of this, it pencils out. <laughs> yeah, I guess every dumb project in the world, if the feds subsidize 75%, it works out. In this country, this administration, this day and age, I believe the chance of getting a 75% federal subsidy for a fossil fuel project in the Arctic. Oh. It's Does about the same odds as me behaving like I'm in my 20s again <laughs> and my bones not aching. It's just not going to happen. Not, 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 not great. No. Um, yeah, so, so that's what, you know, th th uh, $4 billion. Four, $4.5 it, it almost seems to me like, uh, you know, you have these kind of creeps. It's like, for these people that really gas creep, you get the line to Fairbanks. Well, it's pretty. It's you know almost halfway there. To, to yeah, but that's the same attitude. We got an unfinished rail line mm -hmm. to the Matsu and Port McKenzie or Point Mc, well Port McKenzie. Oh, we'll start it and we'll get developers and we'll get customers and all we got now is a right away and some gravel and some dirt and there's no steel and there's no railroad and there's not going to be. It seems to me that. And some of these are kind of small, you know, a couple hundred thousand here and there. But it seems to me, you know, we have this deficit problem, we have this fiscal problem. But there's always, like, money for stuff. Well, for a not contract. anymore. But I mean, even now, I mean, there's still people get... It just seems like there's always some money for something, even, well, even though things aren't... Know, it depends how much. I mean, yes, could every department find $50,000 if they had to? Yes. Could they find <laughs> $50 million? No. Uh, I want to ask you about tourism, because you cover Southeast okay. a lot. And I used to live in Skagway, actually, in 2008. Mm -hmm. I had a little store there. And I love Skagway, but it seems like with this decision um, with Canada and the ships, it doesn't seem very uh, optimistic that likely we're going to have cruise ships this, this summer. Well, you'll have smaller ships that don't have to go back and forth between the through Canadian waters, the small ones that maybe just make their initial trip to southeast to position at the start of the year and then spend their whole time in southeast. They'll probably still operate. 
but you're not going to get the mega ships. You're not going to get 1.3 million people. So is this issue with is it is it the Jones Act or is it this uh, passenger? Well, it's all are, really the same. It's passenger. I forget what passenger it's vessel. Something. Yeah, it's like a 19th which, century. Yeah, which is just about as old as the Jones Act. The Jones Act applies to cargo vessels. The Passenger Vessel Act applies to passenger vessels. Really, same. Um, requirements under federal law is if you're taking a foreign flagged, foreign owned, foreign crewed ship between U.S. ports, you got to make that stop in an over, in a foreign port, Canada in this case, Victoria, Vancouver, one of them. You cannot run that foreign vessel hauling people from one U.S. port to another. Now the Jones Act was 1920. That essentially was a kind of reactionary World War One pr- protectionist. Yeah. It was a maritime protection legislation. So now there's been talk of, of suspending this, you know, or a well, waiver. Is that is that even possible? I know, I know the ship people freak out when you talk about that, the shipbuilding people. Yeah, I mean, certainly there are forces in the Alaska tourism industry who would like to get an emergency waiver from the Jones Act so the ships could operate without having to stop in Vancouver or Victoria. So if they, let's say, were to, that were to happen... Um, what do you think the demand is like right now? With I have no idea how many people want to book on a cruise ship. So what's going to, if, if Southeast sees a similar situation this summer that it saw last summer, I mean, it just seems like, I don't know, in Skagway, like 90% of the receipts are tax receipts or summer. Yeah, Skagway lives off sales tax from tourists in the summer. Yeah. So if there are no big ships and Alaska has to live off independent travelers, uh, people who fly in, uh, people who come in on the small little ships, yeah, it'll be a, um, I don't know, devastating. It'll be a miserable, um, miserable summer again for tourism business, and devastating for some. There's some who won't make it because they need a bigger volume than you're going to get off small ships, independent travelers, and airplanes. Well, those big ships. I mean, you know, there's millions of people every every year. I mean, when those well, one point three or something, yeah. Some of them, you know, I, I've seen the big ones, like, you know, 8,000 people or something come in in a day. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I worry about the, you know, it's like so much of the well, economy. I do too. Is, I, you know, but I, it's not up to me or you whether you're going to get a waiver on the Jones Act. But then also, even if you got the waiver, if it's not done soon, it takes time to position, provision, staff up a cruise mm-hmm. ship. It's not like you can say on May 1st, here's the waiver. Can you start sailing next week? And they've got to know in certain. They've got to have certainty that they are going to get a waiver, be sailing, so they can start selling tickets. So, so, so it's got to happen soon. So there's a new round proposed now in Congress. It's kind of like a CARES Act like additional federal that, relief for so, COVID, yeah, for states and for municipalities. Um, I guess my, you know, I think it's great they're trying to help folks out and businesses mm-hmm. and, and states and boroughs and municipalities. But it seems you know I have a eat minor in economics, so I'm not mm-hmm. like an economist here, but I, I read a lot and I. I feel like we've produced so much income or so much money in the last, you know, year, um, and the rates are so interest rates are so low. I mean, do you at all like do you work concerned we're going to have a massive inflationary bubble here in the next couple of years with all the trillions of dollars being? I don't know about inflation, but certainly the tax cut that the Republicans passed under Trump added trillions to the federal deficit. The COVID relief, pandemic relief, added trillions more. So yeah, I do worry about the the federal. Debt. Uh, We're never going to pay it off, but hopefully at some point the economy turns around and we can start reducing it and stop borrowing so much. Yeah, there is a point, and I'm not a World Bank economist, but where you you have so much debt uh, 
you do hurt your economic growth going ahead. Well, it's crazy. You know, you look at the Republicans when, when you know, whether it's Obama or whoever, mm-hmm. when, when, when they have def, uh, deficits, they get very upset. But then Trump, you know, right. I mean, trillions. Yeah, well, on Trump, unfortunately, just created amnesia among U.S. Senate Republicans and much of the party. They used to stand for something. Then he was their ticket to fame, and they forgot what they stood for, and now they don't know what the hell to do. So I want to talk a little bit about the Alaska um, legislature. We got this weird House. They, according to Represent Speaker Stutes now today, that she didn't even know she was going to be chosen. That's what she told us outside the the chambers today. And, um, you know, Representative America's like left the building, can't get a hold of her. Um, The Senate today passed a resolution by one vote that encourages the governor to do a new declaration when, in fact, many of them recently had said the new ones he issued were illegal. Okay. Um, and then you got, you know, this Amanda Price resigned the commissioner of DPS today. And then recently yeah. the AG, I mean, it seems to me like things aren't going well. Here. No, they're not, but often they don't go well. I mean, commissioners resign and get fired all the time over history. It's not like this was the first one in 20 years. Uh, two years ago, the house wasn't organized for a month. Now they're only, what, three and a half weeks. They still got time. Uh, the fact that the Senate passed something that a lot of their members didn't like and is contrary to things they said, I guess I look at it and say, well, you know, I'm going to go home and have three-day-old black-eyed peas and some falafel and uh, read. Hmm. You said next, so, next week will be different. You said something interesting when you, when you walked in that outside the building most people don't really Oh, no, you, you're right. So if you drew this circle around the state capitol, the further you get out from the circle, 100 yards, you know, 1,000 yards, the level of interest in terms of what happened in the building today drops off a cliff, right? It's, is anyone in Anchorage, I shouldn't say anyone, are many people tonight in Anchorage at the dinner table saying, honey, did you see what happened in the Senate today? <laughs> Hell no. So I, have, I, have, I told you, I have a lot of friends that are just doing different things and, you know, I just, they aren't political and right. I'll just once in a while ping them and kind of just, just to kind of center myself yeah. for like what, you know, the bubble and you start to ask them and they have, I mean, they have no fucking idea about anything you're talking about. Right. It's just, but, they, but it doesn't affect their daily lives tonight. So they got other things to do. People have a lot to do in their life and what's happening in the state house outside the political groupies isn't a topic of conversation. But on the flip side, and this is something I've thought about a lot, is, is a lot of these people do vote. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, you, we elect some different people who have kind of different ideas or maybe don't have any ideas, and, and yeah. you know, they, um, they, they tend to keep getting elected. The, the, the uh, retention rate's pretty high. It's, it's yeah. gone down a little bit in the last couple of years, but people keep getting... But it seems like, I don't know, it's, it's like maybe they're mad at the institution, the, the legislature, but like their, their guy's oh. okay or their person's well, okay. Well, they're just usually swayed. You know, the... the Millions that go into political campaigns, even in this state, it's easier, well, with all the money after the Supreme Court decision from political action groups and supporting groups that allegedly don't coordinate. Uh, <laughs> when it comes down to campaign, it's, not, it's how you can project yourself, not votes you took on an amendment to a Senate resolution on February 12th that no one cares about. Well, even then, you know, what I've observed is there's a budget, right? They have a budget vote. But, yeah. then, but then on any given budget, I mean, there's actually three or four votes that kind of well, on, the same, on the same bill. So you can say, yeah. I voted for it, I right. voted against it, and, and yeah. there's actually a proof of that somewhere. Right. I mean, to me, the problem is 
um, the money in campaigns that has made it so much easier to buy the seats. So, what, what do you think uh, if, if everything stays stays uh, as it is? This ballot measure two is gonna gonna. What kind of impact do you think that's going to have? Because well, I've been that's, thinking that's the open primary where it's ranked choice voting. One primary yeah. and then rank right. cho- top four ranked choice. Right. Yeah. Well, hopefully that'll break the part or not break. That will diminish the partisanship because now if I'm going to run, I've got to be a little more uh, agreeable to all sides if I'm going to make it through an open primary and then ranked choice voting. If, if you, I was kind of talking to a pollster friend of mine about this, and if you got to go, let me know. Oh, that's okay. But um, so if, if, if you just kind of project like a Lisa Murkowski, yeah. so you have a top four, you know, you have a primary and top four go to the general. So the general for ranked choice is Lisa Murkowski, a very conservative person, yeah. a Democrat, yeah. and then maybe like an independent person. So you got to think... Nobody's going to get 51, probably, almost certainly right. not the first You're round. You're going to have runoffs. So you got to... Or I'm sorry, not the runoff, but you, they're going to start factoring the ranks. The recycling. Yeah. So you got to think who gets... Because the least... The person with the least votes gets recycled. Their votes get recycled first. Yeah. So or you got to start... Tossed out, yeah. You got to start thinking about who whose votes get redistributed first right. and where do they... And I'm, I've been thinking about that a lot. And I don't, I don't know... I guess... You know, Jeff, you need to think about something else. The world doesn't revolve around this shit. It's not healthy. I was in Hawaii recently. Well, then go back. I'm thinking about it now. I mean, I'm here doing this stuff. It's, 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 well, you're here all day. What do, you, what, do you do? what do you do all day? I'm going to home and forget about it in five minutes. You're going to f- stress on it still. No, no, I'm going to go to, I'm going to, go to dinner with some friends. Okay. Well, yeah, they're kind of... Blue. And that's yeah. what you're going to discuss? Um, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe, okay. we'll, maybe we'll talk about something else. But you're right. With ranked choice voting, we should... The theory is you sort of gravitate towards someone who's acceptable to a majority of people, and that's okay. That's good. That's why I voted for it. Yeah, no, I, th- I think uh, we got you know the governor's race, yeah. uh, the, the the U.S. Senate race, right? We have redistricting, so you'll have the whole legislature up. Yeah, which I just saw too. They they made the again. This is no one cares about this, but the uh, census isn't going to come out with their information until September. Right, a little so, delayed. So you'll have these maps end of the year next year. So it could be a. Yeah. Situation where the folks running for office might not know exactly where they're and redistricting will go to court like it always does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you're now you're rolling the capital. You're with the Wrangell Sentinel. So you're you're right. you're doing just all general reporting with the legislature. No, kind of focusing I, I, on no, the, I just really focus on it's a small weekly newspaper and the other papers in Southeast for the for the writing I'm doing. I sort of focus on. Um, well, ferry, cruise ships, stuff that's of interest to those readers rather than the Ambler Road. Huh. It's not a Southeast issue. Um, you know, rather than um, the, the bluff work on the Kenai River, no one in Wrangell is going to care a whole lot. What about, I'm going to ask maybe, uh, maybe what you think about this governor's proposal to do gaming, G- gambling oh, in Alaska. Well, I, I don't care for it, never cared for it. It did. It's not, it's not even that it just doesn't it doesn't raise that much, so mm-hmm. it's it's really kind of half-assed to say, well, I got a part of my fiscal plans gaming. Oh, come on. What's it like? You know, well, the million, estimates have million been or hundred million. No, estimates of a state lottery have been fifteen to twenty million. Now, I think governor's talking casinos. Yeah. I've never seen any credible estimate of how much would raise from casinos, but I look at that and think, you know, we got a problem here. We have a problem. <laughs> The people don't pay tax. We need income or sales tax. We need to be honest about permanent fund dividends. This gambling stuff is just, it's like 
get back to reality and drop that. It's not going to solve anything. Well, they, they have a uh, they have an RFP out now for half a million for a for a gaming consultant. Yeah, well, consultants always do well in life. So, so what's the uh, last thing I'll ask? You? What, what yeah. if you had the magic wand? What's what's the Larry Persley plan? Some taxes, a small yeah, I dividend. Think we, I think we need a, an income tax. I think we need a affordable dividend instead of these dreams of mega dividends. I think we need to make some changes to oil taxes. Uh, I think. Motor fuel tax needs to go up, hasn't gone up in half a century. And yeah, we do have to look at spending. What can we afford? You know, what has been nice? Maybe what we can't afford anymore. What's important? University, education, health. But some of these goofy ideas we get in our head, like the Ambler Road and, and Ada having a blank check, we got to stop that stuff. Yeah, Ada is another one that, you know, the, the leases and the road, all these different things, they just kind of. They kind of do whatever they want. Ada right now is just searching for that pot of gold. And we all know from Lucky Charm cereal, there is no pot of gold. And there's not going to be one here either. They always point to Red Dog. That's always the one, the one thing they point. They, they say, we got Red Dog. We got, we got that one. Yeah, well, that was a different Ada board, different generation. It seems to me like Ada, you know, from my years of watching it, whoever's governor at the time, kind of, it's the, it's the kind well, of sure. piggy bank or the slush fund. Right, for, well, if you're governor, that's... You set the agenda, and Ada, unfortunately, has some money to spend on dumb projects like Anwar leases. So what are you, are you living in Wrangell now, or are you kind no, of living no, in, live in Juneau? No, I live in Juneau. Yeah, I'll go to Wrangell every couple of weeks. So you got, you got any plans after session? Are you going to go anywhere, or are you going to hang out? Um, maybe, go, maybe go to Hawaii with me. No, I'm, I'll, I'll, I've been, the last few years, I've spent a few weeks in the summer in Haines filling in for the editor at the Chilcat Valley News in Haines so he can get a break. So I'll do that again this year. I love, I, like that, I love that Haynes beer, brew fest they have. I don't, they probably didn't do it this year, but no, last year, I guess. Yeah, I was there last summer. I don't remember any brew fests in June and July of 2020. Maybe. It was pretty much keep your mask on and stay home. Well, Larry, personally, it's been great sure. talking to you. A lot, lot, lot of interesting topics. We'll have to, do, love to do it. I like okay. your, you're very frank and very direct, and most people aren't like that. Yeah, so. when you're 70, you can afford to be frank you and 70? direct. Yeah, I'm going to be 70 this year. Wow, you don't look 70. You know, I'm not running for office, so I can tell you, Pay a damn tax. <laughs> All right, Larry Persley, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate doing the podcast. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Let's-